amen. Before I um, get started into the message, I just thought I'd kind of share something a little lighthearted here. I thought this was kind of interesting. You know, Webster's Dictionary does the thing. I think it's every um, two, every six months, I guess. They, they put, like, new entries into the, into the dictionary, new phrases, new terminology. And if some of y'all might have seen that, um, I don't know how many of y'all like the text. Y'all like texting? I mean, I, I'm, a, I'm a texter. I like text messages and all of that. And a lot of people know Brandon's real big with the abbreviations and all for texting. And sometimes I got to be like, I don't know what these abbreviations mean. But, but um, this is some new ones that came up here. If Ruby wants to put that first slide up there. Well, actually, there's something before that. Yeah, this one here. Do y'all know what TBH means? Y'all don't know what that means? To be honest, I knew, I knew Brandon was going to get that. And do y'all know what that word is underneath that? No, the one, the red, doing the red. Am, am I right? Am I right? And do y'all know what a flutter nutter is? That's one of the new entries into the, uh, into the dictionary. A sandwich made with peanut butter and marshmallow cream between two slices of white sandwich bread. You knew about that? Wow, I've never had that. Okay, this is a, this is a texting quiz here. Put the next one up, Ruby. Do y'all know what those mean? The first one, R-O-F-L. Brandon, you don't know what that means. Brandon. Rolling on the floor laughing. What does I see why am I mean? There you go. See, the young people are going to get this. TLDR. Too long, didn't read. LMK, y'all know what that one is. Let me know. And NVM. Never mind. Okay, well, I, I came up with some entries myself into the Webster's Dictionary. <laughs> These are the ones I put up there. Do you know what YHM is? You heard me? <laughs> W-Y-A. Well, yeah, y'all know what that one is. I-L-J. I love Jesus. There you go. And what is, what is J-L-M? Jesus loves me. Well, y'all are good at this. <laughs> Hallelujah. That's enough for that foolishness for now. <laughs> Praise God. I thought that was kind of interesting, though. Some of the stuff, I didn't put up all the other stuff, but there's all kind of COVID phrases and medical terms and all those other kind of things that they've entered in there. But I just thought that was kind of interesting how all of a sudden these, and I actually did see what, and I didn't really read it to see what it was, but they, I think they changed the definition of the word because. Either they changed it or they, like, how can you change the word because? I mean, I mean, how can, how can that change? I, I don't know, but they up, up, updated or did something different with it. I thought that was, that was all kind of interesting. But um, how many of you know that we are combating evil in our society? That we, 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 are, we are living in a, in a world that, that is evil, and it's, it's rising up. It's coming to the forefront. It's in you know, all these different things. It's not hiding. You know, back in the day, it looks like evil was trying to disguise itself and try to camouflage what it really was. But now it looks like evil is not afraid to come out of the closet and get out in the forefront and tell you this is who I am. This is what I stand for. This is what I, what I believe and this is what I do. They're not ashamed uh, of the evil. And this is a quote here that some of you have probably heard this quote before. It says, the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. I just think that's so appropriate, you know, when, when, when you read that. And like, like me, you can feel overwhelmed by the evil um, and sin that plagues our nation and our world. I mean, sometimes it can seem overwhelming. It can seem 
like, oh my gosh, I'm just, just this little, you know, Christian, this little person that believes God in the middle of this world that is so dark and, and just so wicked and all those different things. And we can really feel like overwhelmed and insignificant. And what, and what difference, you know, what difference can I make? And sometimes we can actually do what that, what that quote says. We can just sit back and say, you know what? I, I, I'm just, it's just so big of a task. I'm going to do nothing. I, I'm not, I'm not going to do anything. And we know that that is not the answer, but you know, is that, that's not the right response. And history, history tells us that's not the right response. Y'all know Hitler in, in, uh, in World War II. What if we would have just let Hitler just have his way and do what he wanted to do and just annihilate the Jews and just have his way with that? But men stood up and opposed that and said, no, we're not going to allow him to rule and to do that. What if we would have just sat back and said, let's let slavery, just, just let slavery continue? But no, men stood up. But, you know, uh, Wilberforce, Lee mentioned that name, and Abraham Lincoln, these, these men that stood up against that, against the flow of what was the, the, uh, the, the, the majority, and said, no, we're not going to stand for this anymore. What if we would have just stood back? What about abortion? What if we just look at abortion and we just sit back and say, we're not going to do anything? No, there's men and women that are standing up, that are willing to combat and stand against the forces of evil in our world. So what does the Bible teach us to do? Well, in Proverbs chapter 24, it says, If you falter in a time of trouble, how small is your strength? Rescue those being led away to death. Hold back those staggering towards slaughter. If you say, but we knew nothing about this, does not he who weighs the heart perceive it? Does not he who guards your life know it? Will he not repay everyone according to what they have done? And then here's another translation of that same passage in Proverbs. It says, don't give up and be helpless in times of trouble. Don't fail to rescue those who are doomed to die. Don't say, I didn't know. Can you, can, God can read your mind. He watches each of us and knows our thoughts, and God will pay us back for what we do. The Bible tells us don't, don't give up. In other words, don't do nothing. In other words, we, we just can't sit back and look at the things that are we, that's confronting our world and our nation and just look at it and say, I'm just, I'm just going to do nothing. And then the Bible also tells us we can't, we can't claim ignorance. What, look, look there in verse, 11, in verse 12, don't say, I didn't know. Especially now in today's age of social media and communication and all these different things, we, we know events and things that are happening like the moment they happen. So ignorance is not an excuse. I can't say, well, I, I didn't know about, I didn't know that was even happening. No, we, we know that these things are occurring more so now than ever before. We, we understand that. So the Bible says God will pay us back for what we do. That's pretty powerful when you read that. So what is the position of the church? Are, are we to remain silent? Is that what God is asking us to do is just, just to remain silent? Are we to keep our religion to ourselves. And y- y'all know that thing with church, the church and state. Well, I disagree with that, 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 that the separation of church and state. The Bible doesn't show us anything about God separating himself from the world. Jesus came into the world and engaged the world. He, 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 he engaged the world so that w- there wasn't any separation of, of, uh, of church and state as far as God was concerned. See, God is not caught off guard by evil his answer was given to us over 2,000 years ago. His name is Jesus. 
Jesus was the answer to the world's evil and the wickedness and the, and the decay and the depravity of the world. Christ came to save us. Isaiah 59, it says, So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. God's call to the church in this hour of wickedness is to raise a righteous standard. And that's the title of a message today is Raising a Righteous Standard. Raising a Righteous Standard. See, the church asks itself, should I remain silent in these times? Well, think about this. What if God had remained silent in our condition, in our sinful state? The, the decision, the willful disobedience we made to disobey God. What if God would have said, you know what? I'm just going to leave man to his depravity and to his sin, and I'm going to remain silent in the matter. Where would, we, where would we be? We would be lost, and God would have had a right to do so. God was under no obligation to save us. We don't deserve the grace and mercy that God has given us. It was because of his love, the Bible says. But thank God he didn't remain silent. God answered the call. He sent his son, the Bible says, and sent him as a redeemer and a savior. See, the church is the Lord's weapon to combat the forces of evil that plague our nation. Government is not the answer. Education is not the answer. The church is the answer. God has called the church to raise the standard. We, we, we are the ones that, that, that come out and we shine the light where? In the middle of the darkness. The Bible says the light is so bright that the darkness shall not overcome the light. That, that is our calling. That is what God has positioned us and placed us in this world to do. See, like Israel, God is calling his church to push back the forces of evil. Israel was set apart unto God that God's holiness might be displayed to the nations. And I've, I've shared this before, but, but God, God didn't choose the nation of Israel because Israel was such a good people. No, they were as wicked as we were today. But God said, I'm going to set you apart. I'm going to call you unto myself, making a covenant with you. I'm going to set you apart unto myself, and I'm going to use you to show the other nations who God is and, and, and display my glory with that. And look at Deuteronomy chapter 7. It says, this is what you are to do to them. He's talking about an, an ungodly nation. Break down their altars, smash their sacred stones, cut down their asherah poles, and burn their idols in the fire. For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the peoples on the face of the earth to be his people, his treasured possession. Now this is the Lord speaking to the nation of Israel, but it could be also said to us that we, we are a people holy to the Lord our God. That's the church. That's what Jesus Christ has done for us. The Lord your God has chosen you. The Bible says that God chose us. We didn't choose God. God chose us. So just as Israel represented God in the, in, the, in the Old Testament, so does God's church represent who he is today in the world. That's our obligation. That, that's what we do. But see, our battle, it's not a physical battle. God told Israel to go and destroy all those things physically. Our battle is a spiritual battle. But we stand nonetheless. We, we raise the standard of righteousness nonetheless, even though it's not a physical battle. So we fight by raising the standard of righteousness by the way we live, by the way we conduct our lives and live ourselves. 
education, law enforcement, or government cannot raise the standard. God has given the church the mandate and the obligation to raise his standard of who he is to, to combat and push back the forces of evil. That's what the church does. That's what we do. So you might think, well, I'm just a Christian. I just didn't think of myself as being any kind of you know, pushback of evil. Well, that's what God has called you to do. That, that's his represent, representation here in the world today. It's his church. It's you and I, bought by the blood of Jesus, born again, saved by Christ, representing who Christ is. The responsibility to raise the standard of righteousness solely rests on the church. That's our obligation and our responsibility. So what is the standard of righteousness? Jeremiah 23 says, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, a king who will reign wisely and do what is just and right in the land. In his days Judah will be saved and Israel will live in safety. This is the name by which he will be called, the Lord, our righteous Savior. So the first thing we have to look at here is Jesus is the righteous standard. Jesus is the righteous standard, not religion. See, Jeremiah promised, prophesied of the Messiah from the lineage of David, a king would come, but not an earthly king, a heavenly king. King Jesus, the Bible says. And look what it says. His name will be called the Lord our righteous, or the Lord our righteousness, the Lord our righteous Savior. So Jesus is the righteous standard. We, 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 have to, we have to understand that. Jesus, not religion, is the standard that we raise. Religion and, and denominations have distorted the standard that the church is called to uphold. We're not, we're not called to uphold a denomination or a creed or, or a religious model. We are, hold, we are called to hold up the righteous standard of Jesus Christ. He's the standard. He's the, he, he is the ultimate standard. We're not following a man, a man-made religion. We are following the standard of Jesus. So I'm just here to tell you, don't get too excited about men. Get excited about Jesus. You know, I hear people a lot of times, they, they enamored by, and even in Christian circles, we get enamored by men's uh, ability, their education, their understanding, their, their intellect, and all those different things. And that's good to honor people in those circles. We, we have men in NRP, our network, that we're surrounded with, men like Keith Tusi and Ron Johnson and Pastor Rod Aguilord. But we can't get enamored with, with men. We need to get enamored with Jesus Christ. That's what we need to be excited about. You know, catch yourself sometimes. If you start, start bragging a lot about a man, kind of maybe quiet down a little bit, start bragging about Jesus. That, that's our standard. See, if, if man is your standard, what's going to happen? Men, men, men will fail you just as they've done. Men will fail you. That men can never be the standard. A religion can never be our can, can never be our standard. The standard is Jesus Christ. See, Jesus, Jesus took the law of Moses to another level. What did Jesus say? I did not come to abolish the law. What did he come to do? He came to fulfill the law or to make the law more complete. He's like, I'm going to show you. Okay, this was the law, but I'm going to show you how it's now perfect. Like, it's perfect. I'm, I'm going to show you the perfection of the law. And what did Jesus say? Jesus raised the standard of, of, of adultery. What did Jesus say? 
You say that, that, that adultery is wrong. Jesus say, I say, if you, look at a, if you look, even look at another woman lustfully, then you've committed adultery in your heart. That, that's raising the standard. <laughs> that's elevating the law of Moses. That, that's going to another level. Jesus said, you said, I, uh, uh, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Jesus said, turn the other cheek. See, the law, the, the law of Moses said, an eye for an eye. They did something to you, I'll do something back. Jesus said, they did something to you, turn, turn the other cheek. <laughs> That's another level. See, Jesus, Jesus is the standard. He showed us the perfect way. What did Jesus say? Jesus said to love those who hate you. He said, if you love those who love you, Basically, what he was saying was that's easy. It, the more difficult thing is to love your enemies, love those who persecute you, love those who hate you. And then, what about forgiveness? What did Jesus say? Forgive. You say forgive. Forgive seven times seven. In other words, the, the, the forgiveness is unending. He he raised the bar. He raised the standard of forgiveness. See, Jesus was perfect in every way. He was the God Man. He was, he, was, he, was, he was man, but he was God, the Bible says, and he was without sin. He was perfect. So Jesus lived his life to show us the standard by which God has called us to live. That is the standard. That, that, that's what we raise. That, that's the, is Jesus Christ, not men. So I'm just telling the church this, and I've said this before from the pulpit. It's not wrong to, to, to listen to other men, and we, we, we learn from other men and all those different things. But don't, don't, get, don't worship other men. Worship Jesus. Raise him up as your standard. Say, God, that's the standard I'm going to follow. That, that's the one I'm going to uphold. Do not hold other men and women up as your standard, no matter how powerful or successful they are. See, Jesus addressed issues of the heart. What did you, Jesus, Jesus addressed, addressed issues of man's heart. Jesus addressed issues of man's sin of man's unforgiveness. Jesus, Jesus confronted issue, issues of hatred with, with the Samaritan woman. Remember, Jews and Samaritans, they, didn't, they despised one another. What did Jesus do? He talked to a Samaritan woman. <laughs> he associated with her. He talked to her. He broke down the walls of prejudice and, and bigotry and racism and hatred, and he showed us the perfect way. Jesus is the standard. And then Jesus confronted sin. We know the story of the woman that was caught in adultery and Jesus told the woman to go and sin no more. But what did he tell, what did he tell her accusers that were about to cast stones? Let, let, let the person who was without sin cast the first stone. What did they do? They laid all their stones down. <laughs> they just sat them on the ground and they walked away because you know what? They understood that they, they were sinners too. <laughs> See, Jesus confronted sin. So I don't see anything about a separation of church and state in the Bible. I don't, see, I don't, I don't, know, that, that, I don't know where that came from. That, that's demonic, in my opinion. God, Jesus, Jesus landed right in the middle of the state. He, he, he landed right in the middle of wickedness, and he confronted evil where it was. He is the righteous standard. So how does the church raise the standard of righteousness? In Matthew 16, it says, And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The church raises the banner of the Lord's righteousness. That's what we are called to do. We are called to raise the banner of Jesus Christ, not raise the banner of a religion, 
not raise the banner of a denomination. We raise the banner of Jesus Christ. And like I said, just like Israel represented Christ on the, on the earth, the church represents Jesus Christ today. We, we raise the standard. The word standard in the Hebrew is, is spelled N-E-C, neck, which means something lifted up, a signal or a signal pole or a banner, a sign or a sail. The Webster Dictionary says any figure or object, flag or banner used as a symbol of a leader, a rule or basis for comparison for measurement or judgment. But it's something lifted up. It's like a signal. What is the church's signal? The church's signal is Jesus Christ. See, we, we raise the banner. That, that's what the church is called to do. We lift high up the banner of Jesus Christ and we show the world this is our standard. His name is Jesus. That's what the church does. And that's how we combat that's how we push back the forces of evil, is raising the standard. But look at this, this description I came across when I was studying for this, for this message. It says, so when God raises a standard, what he is doing is proclaiming who he is and what he stands for, and he does this many times through his church. The church proclaims their allegiance in this world to Jesus Christ and raises the banner of the Lord's righteousness in the earth. That is, the church says, we stand with our king and his army and our standards are his standards. In other words, we fly the colors of Jesus Christ, which are righteousness, holiness, faithfulness, etc. See, that's what the church does. Look what it says. The church proclaims their allegiance to the world. That's what we're doing is I'm standing before the world and I'm claiming Jesus Christ is my standard. That's the banner. That's the flag that we're waving before the world. And that's how you and I combat the forces of evil. See, if you and I refuse to take up the Lord's banner, no one else will. It's the church's obligation. The church can't sit back and wait for the government to do it or wait for education to do it. No, God has given the church the responsibility to do it. We stand up with the banner of Christ to push back the forces of darkness that are in our world. And we just can't sit back. The, the church just can't be silent and sit back and say, well, I didn't know. God says, no, we are without excuse. We have an obligation to, to stand up, to, to push back the things that are happening in our society. And, and, and God will give us the victory. That, that's what God has done for us. So what are ways you and I can engage the culture and make a difference? Well, this church has sought to do this is with abortion, the abortion issue. And, 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 you know, a lot of times, if you don't pay attention to abortion, you don't even realize how evil abortion really is. But there have been millions upon millions upon millions of babies that have been killed since Roe v. Wade was, was, was put into law. And we can just sit back, just as the Bible says, and be silent, as if that, as if that isn't occurring. And we don't think that God, that this innocent blood is being shed day after day after day, and God, God is not grieved by this. And the church can just sit back and be silent about that? that, that we can't do that. Right. It's our obligation to stand. What if the church as a whole remains silent on this issue? I thought about this. Think about this. We, we do a little bit with this issue, and I, I think we could do more. But what, what if as a whole, the whole church, I'm talking about the, the Jesus Christ, born-again believers, what if the whole church as a whole just said, you know what, we're not going to do nothing? We're just, we're just, abortion's out there, 
It's murder, it's wrong, but you know what? We are going to be silent, we're going to do nothing. Imagine where we will be today. You think it's bad now, it will be off the charts. Because of men and women willing to give their lives and sacrifice their time and effort and their money, abortion mills are being closed. Planned Parenthood is being closed, it's being defunded. But what if the church just sat back and said, you know what, it ain't my cause. I'm just going to be silent on the issue. Where would we be? Men like Keith Tusi. That's how him and Brother Rod met. They met in a jail. They were arrested. They were arrested for standing for, for pro-life. And Brother Rod and Keith Tusi met in a cell because both of them were arrested for standing for life. What if men like Bill Shanks, y'all might, y'all might, Bill Shanks is pastors of church in Kenner. What if Bill Shanks, has, he's great, he's old now. He's given his whole life for this cause. What if men like Bill Shanks just said, you know what, I'm, just, I'm not going to do nothing. I'm just going to sit back. We, in other words, men and women were willing to stand up and say, enough is enough. We, we stand against this. And, you know, we might, not, we might not have the calling individually to say, you know, I'm going to be a Keith Tusi or a Bill Shanks, but we can do something. We, we can't just say, we can't just say, I'm going to do nothing. That's the devil. See, the devil gets us overwhelmed to think we can do nothing. And I remember when I was in Chalmette and Brother Carla kind of challenged us to kind of Go to, go to the abortion clinic. It was the one on Metairie, on uh, Lake, I forget the name of the road there, but it's closed down now, right? right? Yeah. And Bill Shanks, he, every, every Saturday, I mean, he fervently went there and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. It's closed in Jesus' name. There's not that many of them in, in, in there, but, but we, we have to be willing to take, to take our position and say, you know what, I can do something. You know, last week, you know, I thought about this. We, we stood at the corner of, uh, of Brewster and 21. Okay, that, guess what? We didn't say nothing. We held up signs that said, Jesus loves you, abortion is a better option, you know, scripture verses, all these different things. But guess what we were doing? We were holding up the banner of Jesus Christ. And by standing on that corner publicly, we were saying, we stand with Jesus. We stand with life. And guess what? It was an hour. One hour. I didn't, do, I didn't do the calculation, but how many hours are in a year? Does anybody know? It's, it's tons. And, and I could say to myself, I can't give up one hour in the year to go stand publicly on a street corner and say, I stand for life? That's easy. We, we got to get out of the mode where I can't do nothing and say, God, I can do something. We can all do something. I can pray. I can pray. It's one of the, I, I have a prayer journal I keep at home, and one of the entries in my prayer journal is abortion. I, I cry out to God. In other words, we can't live, and, and, we, and it's easy to do, because it's like out of sight, out of mind. You don't see it. It's in a baby's, it's in a mother's stomach. They go to some secret dark place, and that baby's killed. You know, and I wonder, what if the babies, what if it was two-year-old children that were marched out in front of a, a, a public area, and what if a whole arena of two-year-old children were murdered. Would the church then stand up? I think some of us wouldn't. I really believe that. That's where we're at today in this world. But that's what's happening. So we can't say, as Proverbs says, I never knew. You know. It's happening. There's a curse. There's a plague. There's a, there's a murderous plague. We've endorsed murder. This nation has endorsed murder. we said it's okay to murder. And guess what we have? Murder. People just kill. They just kill someone. The life, it doesn't matter. It's just, that's just a life. 
That's someone's life. They killed someone. Gambling. I might step on some toes here. I don't care. St. Tammany, the early voting started, I think, yesterday. And St. Tammany, and you think, well, well, I live in Covington. I live over here. That's in Slidell. It doesn't bother me. Yes, it does bother you. That's in your parish. So what can I do to push that back? I can vote. I don't care what the media tells you, what the surveys tell you, and all that kind of stuff. Gambling will not have a positive impact on St. Tammany Parish. You go study any place that gambling has been instituted, and I promise you it's not positive. And tell me this. Why is it a good thing to institute something like gambling in a community and then to tell people we're going to take money from you? We're going to take money from you, and that's going to, that's going to bless you. Why? It's not. So I'm, I, I'm supposed to not be able to tell a church as a pastor, because we're nonprofit, I'm not supposed to tell you how to vote. So I'm not going to tell you how to vote, but I think you know how to vote, or at least how I'm going to vote. It's wickedness. It brings in, it brings in sex trafficking and drugs and, pornography and, 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 and prostitution, all those different things. We, we, don't want it, we don't want it in St. Tammany. We don't want that here. Not here, so you need, you need to stand up. And then another one is education. I'm going to have Lee just kind of come up and just kind of take a moment here just to kind of share. And this is, Lee, this is kind of like a, a, um, a grassroots example of doing something, like actually getting engaged. And, and Lee, I'm just going to let Lee just share that for just a moment, what they've done here. Okay, so real briefly, um, y'all know how this transgender issue has become so prominent. I mean, just within the last couple of years, it feels like, you know, it, it used to be this thing that we would all like, that's, that's terrible, you know, boys are boys, girls are girls. Well, now they're trying to push this on our children in the school systems that you're paying for. Right. And in one of the ways they're doing that is they actually were proposing a new health book in St. Tammany Parish that taught about transgenderism and all the different genders and all the different pronouns. And then these were complete with homework assignments to raise awareness for the transgender community, to bring this home around the dinner table, to use your social media platforms. It was in the textbook. These were their homework assignments. Of course, there was a major public outcry over that. Here in St. Tammany. How old were the kids, Lee, that would have been taught that, some of the kids? I don't know off the top of they my head. They were young. But they'll get them as young as they can get them. As, as young as you will let them get them, they will get, because it's a demonic spirit, that it's an antichrist spirit that's trying to enslave and destroy mankind. And they want to start as young as possible. You've got to be very careful as parents what your children are right. exposed to. Halloween. Right. The devil wants people as young as he can get them. He'll offer them candy, you name it, fun, whatever it is. Anyway, um, so when the, when the whole thing with the health book came up, obviously our hearts broke. But in, in my nature, and I think this is a gift from God, you know, is to hold up a standard, right. to confront evil. It's like a fire in my bones. I have to say something. If right. I see it, I have to say it. And sometimes it gets me in trouble. Sometimes people don't like me. But I can't not say something. Right. You know, that's how I am. That's my, my nature. My wife is not like that. <laughs> She's very peace-loving, you know, just everybody, let's just get along, you know. 
So for me, I didn't want to be a hypocrite because we've decided to try to homeschool our children, and we're doing that now. So I felt like, well, I don't have a say-so in the public school system in St. Tammany because our kids aren't in the system, and I can't speak for other people's kids and all this. I just, it was a conflict to me. And then for Rachel, you know, she's more non-combative, non-confrontational, let's just get along, you know. And then it was my grandma, my mom's mom, who understood the point that I had about it's, it's not my place to have a voice. And she said, it doesn't matter. Those kids that are in the system need somebody fighting for That's them. Right. And I was like, oh, my gosh, it cut my heart. Like, duh, why didn't I see that? I didn't even know. I, not to mention you're a taxpayer. You're paying That's for that. Right. Um, and then for my wife, God actually showed my wife, it was either through a vision or a dream, showed her a transgender child, and the child's life was ruined. Body mutilated. And the child told Rachel, after their life was destroyed, you knew what they were doing to me and you didn't say anything? Wow. These are children. They don't know. Right. They're victims. Right. The abortion issue. These children can't even cry. Their own mother is the one killing them. That's right. Who is going to be their voice? That's Who right. is going to stand in the gap? That's where we come in. Right. So we'll lead it and share, but they've, you know, had, you have been to. Uh, yeah, so we started going to the school board meetings. That meeting. was it. Yeah. So we, Rachel's like, we're going to the school board meeting. Right. She don't care if I got to leave. She's got to be home right. with the kids. Like, we are going to represent. We're going to be at the school board meetings. And every time they give that mic an opportunity, I'm on it. And I don't care what anybody thinks, right. all right? I really don't. Because I get some negative feedback sometimes, and then I have to deal with my own thoughts and battles right. with the devil. I don't care. I'm going to say what's in my heart that I feel like God's given me to say. Right. And me and Brandon went to the local Republican committee just this past week. We found out they were having a meeting. We showed up. It's the Republican committee of St. Tammany. We were the only two there. Whoa. And they let us introduce ourselves and share. That's good. So we shared. Brandon preached to the Republican committee. It was wonderful. So listen, we, we got to get in Amen. there. Amen. Amen. And like I said, those things might not seem, those things may not seem uh, powerful, but guess what? It's having an impact at a local level. That, that's a local level. And, you know, I thought about that. Lee could have easily had the excuse, and just like he said, you know what? My kids aren't even in public school. I don't care. But guess what? That affects your community. That affects what your children are being taught in a place where you live. And that degrade, th those, those teachings degrade a community. It brings a community down. So that might not be what God is calling you to do, but there's got to be something in your heart that God has shown you individually. And say, God, just ask God, say, God, what can I do? What can I do to raise the standard of righteousness? Because as a believer, that's what God has called you and I to do. That's why he's placed you where he's placed you in the world, whether it's your workplace, at school, in your community. God wants us to raise the standard of righteousness. And like I said, at the very minimum, at the very minimum, we can all pray. I mean, you know, God help us if, 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 if we're confronted and God says, did you even pray? 
Like, like I, did, did, you even, did you even pray? And we say, well, we kind of put that at the bottom of our list. Like, that's like, not, that's the most important thing we can do, is plead, is petition God on behalf of us to stand and hold, hold the, uh, the, the, the standard of righteousness, to hold it high. But see, Jesus is Jehovah Nisi. He's my banner of victory. Jesus, Jesus is, our, is our banner. He's our, he's our banner of victory. And God has given us all authority and power to stand against the enemy. The church is victorious. We have victory in Jesus Christ. It may not look like we're the victors, but we are the victors. The Bible says overwhelming victory is ours. We must stand and raise the standard of righteousness. So praise God. I'm just going to close with the scripture here that I had up in the beginning there, and we're going to close with a song here. But um, Proverbs 24, it says, if you, if you falter in a time of trouble, how small is your strength? Rescue those being, I got a song I'm playing, Ray, I'm sorry I didn't, um, if you knew that or not. Rescue those being led away to death and hold back those staggering towards slaughter. If you say that we knew nothing about this, does not he who weighs the heart perceive it? Does not he who guards your life know it? Will he not repay everyone according to what they have done? This is our hour to stand. Not physically. God, Jesus never, 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 never raised a physical army. It was a spiritual battle. We fight, in, we fight in the spiritual, but you and I are called to stand against the forces of darkness that plague our nation and our community and hold up the banner, which is Jesus Christ, and raise the banner high. Plant our flag. We plant our flag and we say, this is the standard we live by. His name is Jesus. And we, st we stand with him. See, it's not, it, we stand with Christ. That's who we stand with. And we raise the banner high. And we, we can overcome that. That, that's God's antidote for evil. It's the church. Right. We can't just sit back. Right. I, I'm one of those that can lead you to sit back and say, you know what? God has only called me just to preach the gospel and preach salvation. And yes, that is our mandate, is to preach salvation, but, but it's also to push back the forces of darkness, to come against the forces of evil and save our nation, to rise up and be, and be a standard and say, you know what, for our nation, enough's enough. We're not going to put up with this anymore in America. This is not who we are. And we'll stand up for that. And God will honor that. He will honor us and honor our commitment to do that. So praise God. Let, let's just stand to your feet, please. And